What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Lord of the Rings Lorecast, the show that explores the background of Tolkien's amazing world from the very beginning. You might be wondering, if we're talking about the downfall of Doriath today as you can see by the title of this episode, then what are we doing down here with the dwarves in the mines again? Well, this story starts off with Thingle, King Thingle of Doria, having recently reacquired the Noglamir from Hurin. This story picks up right as the events of the last episode, I guess, finish off, I guess you could say. This is the same chapter in the Silmarillion, chapter 22. And it's interesting how this story of Hurin goes right into the whole second half of this chapter, which is focused on Thingol and Doriath. It's like Hurin brings us on this journey across these locations that we've been to, and then now back to Doriath, and then we're back to well, let's continue the story about Doriath and Thingol. Uh, it's an interesting way that Christopher Tolkien kind of weaved these stories together in this chapter. And the story of Doriath here is important. It's, it kind of comes out of left field. It's like Christopher was saying, hey, remember that story about Baron and Luthien? Remember the whole thing about the Silmaril? Remember Thingol's greed and I guess you could call it no I think you have to call it greed because as we as we know Thingol was never in Valinor Thingol is not one of the Noldor Thingol's desire to possess a Silmaril comes simply from the beauty of the object and the pride I guess of being the person who owns it as we've seen many times in these stories whether it's the ring of power or the Silmarils 
very powerful, beautiful items make people do crazy things. <laughs> let's let's just let's just say that plainly. They are clearly stand-ins for real-world power and real-world fame, these kinds of things that we in our own world today see so many people seeking for and vying for on social media and in the news, all sorts of places, and in our own lives. We're all looking for ways to stand out and to be somebody. And there are healthy ways to do that through your personal accomplishments and the things that you are contributing to society. And then there are the negative ways of doing that, the things that you consume, the things that you hold on to so that nobody else can have. And this is very much a theme in Tolkien's work. And in chapter 22, Christopher Tolkien is bringing us back to the story of the Silmaril, because that's really what this whole thing is about in the first age, is how, well, Morgoth himself being there in Middle-earth and affecting the lives of these individuals, but also the seeking of this power, these objects, the Silmarils. And so you have one that is now in the hands of Thingol. Thingol's been holding on to it. And now you have the Noglamir, the most beautiful object. I guess you could say that. The most beautiful object that the dwarves had ever created and was created for, again, not one of Thingol's people, a Noldor, Finrod Felligan, one of the best of the Noldor who had ever existed. And here Thingol is with these two items, these two beautiful, priceless objects. And we've been told that his thoughts have been focusing more and more as time passes on the Jewel of Feanor. Feanor is Noldoran. He is not one of Thingol's people. Again, there's a reason why Tolkien uses certain words here. He could have said on the Silmaril. We know it's a Silmaril. He says the Jewel of Feanor because he's noting that there's a distance here between the two of them. And so Thingol with the Jewel of Feanor and the Necklace of Finrod made by the dwarves gets an idea. He realizes that he doesn't want to be away from the Jewel of Feanor ever. And so what if he were to go to the dwarves and get their best craftsmen to find a way to add the Silmaril to the Noglamir? Make the most beautiful necklace ever created. He can wear it. He will never be somewhere where he cannot be with the gem itself, with the jewel, the Silmaril itself. And we're told here at the beginning of the story that we're given a little bit of a history. But we remember that in Menegroth it was carved out by the dwarves and that the dwarves were continuing to pass between this realm of Doria and their homes in the Blue Mountains. And we're given some very specific details here about the locations and the pathways between these two places. What's most notable, and we don't have to go over all the different names, like Sam Athred, the Ford of Stones, and these, these places that they travel, but what's mo most notable now is that the world is so dangerous that these dwarves are not moving back and forth in small parties anymore. They're coming in large groups in order to protect the safety of the party while they travel. And among those large groups 
are some of the best craftsmen the dwarves have ever had. And so Thingol goes to the dwarves and says, Hey, I've got this idea. I would like you to set the Silmaril in the Noglamir. By the way, this is something that your people have made and was gifted to somebody who isn't me. And uh, so just ignore all of that and just uh, do the thing that I'm going to pay you to do. Cool? All right, cool. That's, I, I have a feeling that's probably how the conversation went. Uh, guess what? This doesn't go so well. Can you guess what happens next? Then the dwarves looked upon the work of their fathers, and they beheld with wonder the shining jewel of Fanor, and they were filled with a great lust to possess them and carry them off to their far homes in the mountains. But they dissembled their mind and consented to the task. This is one of the passages that comes directly after the the situation that I just explained. Now, There is a word in here that is probably not too familiar to many of us. And my first thought was to interpret this word incorrectly. So I have to assume that most of us would. They dissembled their mind and consented to the task. We don't use the word dissembled. We use disassembled, right, to take apart. But dissembled means something different. It means to hide away, to ignore for a time but not to actually get rid of. So this idea of possessing the shining jewel of Feanor and the Noglamir for themselves was an idea that they hid away from themselves for a short period of time, only to come back to after the task was done. The next paragraph says, Long was their labor, and Thingol went down alone to their deep smithies, and sat ever among them as they worked. In time, his desire was achieved, and the greatest of the works of elves and dwarves were brought together and made one, and its beauty was very great. For now the countless jewels of the Noglamir did reflect and cast abroad in marvelous hues the light of the Silmaril Amidmost. Now, if you can picture this, the Silmarils, remember, the Silmarils are filled with the light of the trees of Valinor. They are constantly shining. They are not just like diamonds that are very good at reflecting light. They cast light themselves. They are glowing. Now set amongst many, many other gems on this neck necklace, the, the, the light, it's like fastening a, I don't know, I, mean, I guess you could do this in the real world today with <clears throat> little lights and uh, with little tiny batteries, little LED lights, but this would be much more beautiful than just a little LED light. And it shines into the gems and then fractures the light. You would have to imagine that to look at this directly would be very bright with all the reflecting going on with these other gems, but also the refracting of light. This thing probably cast rainbows, or at least that's my headcanon. It doesn't say that anywhere here, but I would imagine that this thing is colorful and beautiful in a way that no other gem or combination of gems had ever been before. 
And although it doesn't specifically say rainbow, it does give us a hint that that might be similar or a, a good description, a similar description, because in the passage I just read, it notes cast abroad in marvelous hues, the light of the Silmaril. So there is definitely some coloring going on. Hues would mean colors. Colors are being cast about. And so in my mind, I'm seeing the way that gems refract into rainbows and those kinds of things. Uh, But it doesn't specifically say rainbows here. So it's one of those like tricky things. Yes, there's colors, but are they rainbows? We don't really know. Um, But then it goes on. It says, then Thingol, being alone among them, made to take it up and clasp it about his neck. But the dwarves in that moment withheld it from him and demanded that he yielded up to them, saying, by what right does the elven king lay claim to the Noglamir that was made by our fathers for Finrod Feligand, who is dead? It has come to him, but by the hand of Hurin, the man of Dor Loman, who took it as a thief out of the darkness of Nargothrond. But Thingol perceived their hearts and saw well that desiring the Silmaril, they sought but a pretext and fair cloak for their true intent. Simply put, he could tell that this was an excuse to get their hands on the Silmaril, and that was the thing that was truly tempting them. And now that these two things were combined, this was an easy excuse in order to do that. And in his wrath and pride, he gave no heed to his peril, but spoke to them in scorn, saying, How do ye of uncouth race dare to demand aught of me, Eluthingle, lord of Beleriand? whose life began by the waters of Kuvien and years uncounted ere the fathers of the stunted people awoke. Whoa. So did you catch what just happened? Thingol, who has been way more reasonable lately, we've seen him go from somebody who was very self-centered and very focused on what he wanted and had no tolerance for humankind or dwarves or whoever else to being way more fair-minded But in this moment, as they are attempting to take away his Silmaril, he believes it is his now. He gets really mean. He he goes all racist on them. Uncouth race, stunted people. These would have been fighting words for the dwarves. And oh, by the way, he is by himself down here in the areas where they are working far away from the rest of his court. And standing tall and proud among them, he bade them with shameful words, be gone, unrequited, out of Doriath. Then the lust of the dwarves was kindled to rage by the words of the king, and they rose up about him and laid hands on him and slew him as he stood. So died in the deep places of Menegroth, Elwe Singolo king of Doriath, remember his original name, who alone of the children of Iluvatar was joined with one of the Ainur. That's a reference to Melian. He, Thingol and Melian together are the only couple that's Elf and Maiar. And he who alone of the forsaken elves had seen the light of the trees of Valinor with his last sight gazed upon the Silmaril and call it greed, call it the, the doom of Mandos on the Silmarils or just combinations of all of those things, he is killed and the dwarves decide that it is time to leave. Then the dwarves taking the Noglimir passed out of Menegroth and fled eastwards through Regian. 
But tidings went swiftly through the forest, and few of that company came over Aros, for they were pursued to the death as they sought the eastward road. And the Noglamir was retaken and brought back in bitter grief to Melian the queen. Yet two there were of the slayers of Thingol who escaped from the pursuit of the eastern marches and returned at last to their city far off in the Blue Mountains. And this part is particularly interesting. And there in Nagrod they told somewhat of all that had befallen, saying that the dwarves were slain in Doriath by command of the elven king, who thus would cheat them of their reward. Notice the way the description here is twisted. They did not take and accept the blame for what was done on their side. Now, obviously, Thingol was acting like a big jerk in response, but he wasn't the one that tried to take the thing from the other group first. But from the perspective of the dwarves, Thingol never had the right to the Noglimir to begin with. So you can see both sides of the argument, but you can also see that as the story grows and changes, that the explanation of these two two dwarves to the rest of their people about why so many of them were murdered leaves out some key details. How realistic is this? How much of the time is this the way things play out, where people will tell half-truths and hide away the darker parts, and then other people act on it because they believe them and trust them? So the dwarves respond. It says here, Then great was the wrath and lamentation of the dwarves of Nagrod for the death of their kin and their great craftsmen. And they tore their beards and wailed. This is like a biblical passage. There are many times in the Bible where it explains somebody who is going through grief as tearing their clothes, wearing sackcloth, putting ash on their head, these kinds of things. And this may be one of those references that draws a connection between the dwarves and the Jews. And we know that the the types of people that the, the Jewish people represented in Tolkien's mind were the kinds of people who had been ousted from their homes, that were considered outsiders, these kinds of things, and that the dwarves were influenced by a lot of that. So this may be a direct kind of a biblical reference. I mean, it doesn't point to a specific part of the Bible, but the way that the words in the Bible would have been used and the way that these kinds of people would have lamented bad times or sorrow, those kinds of things. It goes on and says, and long they sat taking thought for vengeance. And we're even given here an explanation that shows that not all of these dwarves were of the same mind and equally responsible. I guess that's the way to say, because the dwarves from Nagrod reach out to the dwarves of Belagost. And these are the two dwarven kingdoms that are in the mountains over on the Blue Mountains. They're very close to each other. And the dwarves from Nagrod are ready to go to war. They've been sitting here thinking about vengeance. But the dwarves from Belagost attempt to dissuade the other dwarves from Nagrod. So it goes to show that Although some of these dwarves may be doing things that you could consider evil and selfish, other groups of dwarves decided that that was a bad idea. They are not all of the same mind, and they are not all responsible for the events that just happened. And without support from the dwarves of Belagost, the dwarves of Nagrod decide to march out upon Doriath. But before we get to that, we need to talk about Melian. How does Melian respond to the death 
of her husband. And we'll get there right after the break. So let me tell you a little story. You know that we get sponsors on these podcasts and Yuffie, who does these smart locks with video cameras in them, reached out and they sent me a smart door lock with a 2K camera, a doorbell and a finger reader, all the bells and whistles. And I was like, okay, cool. They sent it to me. I already have one on my back door. When I opened this up and installed it, I was like, why didn't I go with Yuffie to begin with? Because this is a step above the one that I've been using. The finger reader just works. The 2K camera is so clear. I can see when somebody's at the front door, if it's Amazon or if it's somebody trying to sell me something. It even has night vision and works in the dark. It makes me feel so much safer. Plus, my son can just put his finger on the door and just come right in when he gets home from school. He doesn't have to worry about losing keys and you don't even have to change the batteries in these because it's got like a 10,000 milliwatt hour battery that lasts for like four months. Go check these out today. Search for Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Again, search Eufy Video Lock. I think you'll love it. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. All right, here we are in the middle of the show, and we have a bunch of new patrons to welcome on on board here. Let's go through the list. Muddy R... And uh, Rachel T and Josh B and Katie S and Melody. That's a cool name. And continuing up this list, we have, uh, let's see, Sauron, Sauron, I'm, gonna, I'm mispronouncing the name, Sauron the Black, Stacy J, Taylor W, David S, Christopher, uh, Ginger, A&M Playhouse, and Muhammad P. Welcome to the Patreon, everybody. Welcome aboard. There's plenty of room for everybody. Pull up a comfy couch, chair, seat, something, and uh, kick your legs up, you know? Uh, So welcome aboard, everyone. Also, we have to shout out our highest level uh, patrons, our VIP patrons, Bo, Brad S, Brandy D, Chewbacca, David M, Drupal, Esoteric Rage, Jesse P, Katie S, Larry, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Patrick W, Sam B, Shannon L, Tyler M. Wes P. Thank you so much to all of you and all 181 of our current patrons. Thank you so much for your support. 
and you are all champions. That is correct. You are all champions. Also, we have some new reviews to read out here. Let's let's jump through these. Uh, Let's see. Three new ones. This one's from Legal Smeagol. I love it. From New Zealand. True education is a kind of never ending story. Oh, weary traveler of Arda, I bid thee listen to my words of great import, for I have come across a most rapturous sermon that delves deep into the lore of her beloved professor. This oral treat is a feast for the mind, an intellectual banquet that will satiate even the most voracious of halflings. So witty is our host that Hobbiton folk would shake their heads in exasperation, bemoaning him as one of them, those queer folk that across are from across the Brandywine. And his discussions are as insightful as the wisdom of Manway himself. The depth of his knowledge is as vast as the clefts and chasms of Khazad Doom, and his passion for the world of Tolkien shines through as brightly as the leaves of Telperion and Laurelin upon the fields of Valinor. Oh, I implore thee, do not hesitate to partake in this joyous experience, for it is truly a treasure of Middle-earth to rival the most jealously guarded of dragon hordes. Eru smiled, and for a great deal, it seemed good to him, for in the music, there were no flaws. That is amazing, Legal Smeagol. Thank you so much, and I am, I, I will try to live up to these titles. <laughs> Holy moly. All right, uh, we've got another one from uh, Kaban in the United States. He writes, just wow. This podcast was su- suggested to me via the Spotify algorithm, and intrigued, I decided to give it a try. Up until this point, all of my podcasts were typically rewatch style with a few stories thrown in. So this was both up my alley and also totally different. With just one episode, I was hooked. I have been a Tolkien fan Ever since my mother introduced me to The Hobbit in middle school, and I have since read it to my younger brother growing up, and I'm currently reading it to my six-year-old daughter. That is amazing, because I read it to both of my kids when they were roughly that age. Um, I am simply in awe at the care and detail Tom slash robots. I am lovingly dubbing him Tombots from here on, puts into this show. This makes the Silmarillion digestible and has answered so many questions I've had about the lore. And then some. Tom is also the type of person that, though we've never met, I want to be friends and sit down to talk about all things uh, nerd because he is just so authentic genuine and awesome check out this podcast now oh thank you so much Cabo. and yeah i mean hey i i chime in on stuff on the discord channel and those kinds of things so i'm definitely around for that and uh stream on occasion so you're welcome to jump in for those as well uh this final one is from ak music lover in the united states and they write so much fun 44 years ago i was on restriction for a month in the summer got in big trouble i read tolkien's books the Silmarillion and the Lord of the Rings at least three times. This podcast is just fun. I'm glad I found it and I'm more than happy to support it. Oh, thank you so much to all of you. Thank you for your support. Also, if you're listening on Spotify, there are questions there now on episodes that at least the newest episodes that say things like, how is this episode? And you're welcome to respond to those. I can't read all of those out on every episode or episodes would take forever. So, uh, but I will see them and other people will see them as well. So thank you for your support there. Also, I didn't mention patreon.com slash L O T R Lorecast is the site. If you want to go check that out, I'm considering things to add. I'm still working on stuff. I want to add more to the third tier in order to kind of buff that up a little bit i'm thinking maybe t-shirts or something so uh be looking out for that possibly in the future and uh last thing next week i will be going to the elder scrolls online event in las vegas and it's like a two-day thing but with travel it's going to be four days for me it's going to be a long week so we're going to kind of take a little bit of a vacation around that as well so i will probably not have an episode next week i think i'm going to take the week off which is like only the first or second time in the last year that i've actually missed 
a regular episode. Um, so figured it's time for a little break and I hope you guys can get along without a, a new episode that week, but I will be back the week after that. So, all right, let's move on with the rest of the story. So imagine being somebody like Melian now in this situation. She was always the more grounded one. She's wise. She is a Maiar. And her husband goes and does something like this. And he is now gone. This was the one reason that she was staying in Middle Earth was that relationship. That was it. And everybody in Doriath is hit. It's not just Melian. It is everybody. Their king, their beloved leader is gone. And it says here that Melian sat long in silence beside Thingol the king, and her thought passed back into the starlit years, into their first meeting among the nightingales of Nan Elmoth in ages past. Years and years ago, she's thinking about the time that they met when they were young, and the world was young, and their love was young. How many times have you thought back to that first that first love, that first relationship, and how magical it all felt, even if it was terrible and fell apart later? This is what she's doing. This is a very real kind of human thing. And we're reminded here in this section that she is powerful. She is a Maya of great power and wisdom. And it was only this love for Elway, his original name, and that is used here in this passage, that she took upon herself the form of the elder children of Iluvatar, of an elf, so that they could be together. And now that he's no longer there, she doesn't need to stay there either. And we're reminded of a few other things, though. It says, in that form, being of the elder children of Iluvatar, she bore to him Luthien Tenuviel. We're reminded here of Luthien. And remember, Luthien died and then was brought back to Middle-earth. Baron and Luthien are off living, not in Doriath. They are there, back in the world, keeping to themselves. So this is a reminder of that. And in that form, she gained a power over the substance of Arda, and by the girdle of Melian was Doriath defended through long ages from the evils without. But now Thingol lay dead, and his spirit had passed to the halls of Mandos, and with his death a change came also upon Melian. Thus it came to pass that her power was withdrawn in that time from the forests of Neldareth and Regian. And as Galduin the enchanted river spoke with a different voice, and Doriath lay open to its enemies. It's in this moment that the girdle of Melian fails. She realizes that her time here is done, that for her there's nothing left, and it's time to go. And she does so almost in secret. Therefore, Melian spoke to none save to Mablung, remember Mablung, only, bidding him take heed to the Silmaril and to send word speedily to Baron and Luthien in Osiriand. And she vanished out of Middle-earth and passed to the land of the Valar beyond the western sea 
to muse upon her sorrows in the gardens of Lorien, whence she came. And this tale speaks of her no more. And that's it. This is the end of Thingol and Melian's story. But it is not the end of their line. Remember, Luthien is their daughter, and Luthien is alive again and well with Baron. And they also have family and other people around them. The line of Thingol and Melian is not finished. And we've talked about this before in some of the lineage episodes and, and those kinds of things. There is more to be done here. And one of the things I want to leave you with is a question. If you are Luthien or Baron, and you get the news that Thingol is dead, that the dwarves murdered him, tried to steal the Silmaril, and Melian is now left Middle-earth, and Doriath sits unprotected, what do you do? Do you rush home to try to defend the homeland from any evil that would now dare to encroach the forest? Do you go back seeking the Silmaril in order to try to keep it safe? Do you seek revenge against the dwarves for what they did? Or are there other options? The other thing I'll ask is what happens when the news gets out to the rest of the Noldor that Doriath is no longer protected? Seems like a perfect opportunity to go claim that Silmaril because you made a vow hundreds of years ago to not let anyone else take it save the children of Feanor. So I'll leave you with that. What happens next? Thanks for listening to the Lord of the Rings Lorecast. If you'd like to learn more about other fantasy worlds, check out my other podcasts, the Elder Scrolls Lorecast, the Witcher Lorecast, and more at robotsradio.net. If you'd like to reach out, I'd love to hear from you. Send me a note on Twitter at robots underscore radio or join our amazing community on the Robots Radio Discord. There are links in the show notes or just search Robots Radio Discord or find the link on robotsradio.net. I'll see you next time. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.